This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. What is happening, Jacksonville, Florida, and beyond here on a Thursday? Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hope everybody's doing well. It's a hot one here in Northeast Florida. And uh, it's okay with me. I like it when it's hot, but it is. Uh, the temperature's been turned up. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, a little quick plug for Bold City Heating and Air. Make sure your air conditioner <laughs> is ready to roll uh, inside your home. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos. What's happening? I uh, did a little wrestling talk this morning. Did a little wrestling talk. Got to interview Lance Archer. Uh, was slated for about a 20 to 50 minute interview. Ended up going about 25 minutes. Well, almost 30. You get you got oh, to no, deliver on the PR That's people. Good. Man. Hey, I mean, hey, PR hey. people like up oh, cross Austin no, Lane. No, no, no. The PR people were very impressed with what I knew and everything <laughs> and the conversation that we had, Brent. So don't worry about it from my perspective. I'm holding down ESPN 690. All right. Uh, where are we going to find that interview, by the way, on uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN? 690. Yeah, I'll go ahead and put it to YouTube. I'll put it to YouTube. Yeah, uh, put it on Twitter. We'll it on the Facebook page, of probably. Course, man. Kuz will share that. We'll give him some extra work. And we may play a little bit of it yeah. uh, here. The big deal, AEW, obviously, is headquartered here in Jacksonville, essentially, with Tony Khan. But they've been doing their shows from Correct. Jacksonville. And last night, they were inside the stadium in the end zone. First touchdown of the year scored by AEW, by yeah, the way. Did you see that? Did you see I that see running lariat from about 80 yards out? That was Pretty our impressive. guy. We had uh, him. That's uh, Hangman Page, Page, right? Yeah, Hangman yeah, yeah. Page, man. That was awesome. Uh, well, and then keep in mind, so this Saturday, then, it's going to be double or nothing. If you recall, last year, I actually went to Vegas for it. Yeah. It's supposed to be in Vegas again. Obviously, right now, with the pandemic going on, it's going to be in Jacksonville with no crowd, unfortunately. So I can't go to it. But um, it's still going to be a pretty big deal for the city of Jacksonville. Well, what? Uh, and they've been utilizing kind of all the facilities oh, over there a yeah. little bit more in the shows, haven't they? Absolutely. And, I mean, and especially on Saturday, don't you think they will? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, so there's going to be a... I forgot exactly what they called it, but it's like a stadium brawl, basically. So I think we're, I mean, we're literally probably going to see a nice little tour of the inside and possibly outside of, of you know, the TIA Bank Field, and it's going to be a match, man. So I think they're going to kind of showcase what they have to work with there. All right. Well, you're working on that, so we'll have a little bit more on that coming up. Uh, wrestling fans, a big one on Saturday right here from Jacksonville. I mean, we've got wrestling. We're like the MMA wrestling capital of the world. You better believe it, man. A little alternative sports, if you will. That's Nothing right. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that uh meanwhile i feel like i'm doing a research paper for tomorrow's show yeah you're you're all in right now i am all in yeah on this baseball show we're doing yeah all right so hey could you book any more guests by the way no i could not like this is seriously we're gonna find out and and i don't want to put like a bad swing thought because i had plenty of those on the golf course this morning <laughs> but i i don't think this is the way to do a radio show the way i'm doing it tomorrow like, this is probably not something people would sign off on. Who's probably goes to all the, the uh, what, what do they call it, consultants and, and, you know, do this, do that, go to break here, put a little funny thing in here, yeah. do an interview here, but don't go more than six minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those things, you know, we all have those things in our business. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you they did not say, try to get like 20 interviews in a three-hour show and still take commercial breaks. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Good it's either going to really suck or be fun. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be great. I mean, you're going to have a lot of you know special guests and everything. Obviously, baseball. What a better guy to talk about baseball than yourself. But you have a lot of guests coming on. Okay, a lot. There, there's a lot, and it's going to be a lot. To, I seriously like, have 19 guests booked so far tomorrow. Brent, that's insane. 19 coups. That's Coos insane. just passed out. Are they I mean, calling me or am I calling them? A little of both. I mean, oh good. This will <laughs> be the best laid out show though you'll ever have. Like, okay. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's it's going to be fun. Couldn't we like branch out over a month so we have stuff to talk about as opposed to just you know. 
firing the shot in one day Listen, and that's it? We're going for a home run tomorrow. I get, hey. <laughs> Grand slam. Uh, but listen, here's the deal. I didn't know if we'd get some of these guys. And yeah. as I continue to research and talk about it, it's like they keep coming out of the woodwork. There's more names and more names. I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't leave them up. Probably shouldn't leave them up. Well, we'll try to get them in. There are so many baseball names, and that's what's kind of been fun about it. You know, uh, Again, I've been here since 08. I, yeah. I've known this a really good baseball area. But there, seriously, there are guys that I haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the full history of Jacksonville baseball. And it's fun, man. It's really fun to take a take a look at it, get other people's opinions on it. I have two questions basically out there right now on social media. Mm-hmm. One I guess I confused a lot of people with, but it's simply who is Mr. Baseball mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And I've asked some people kind of in the know what they would say, and it, it really stumped them. Like, you're not sure. And well, it, that, and they, I guess the question was worded a little difficult to understand because I, I read I didn't the really Twitter think thing. so. I was trying I know, to provide I'm context. I know. And so I said, if I asked who Mr. Football was, I think people would say Bob Hayes, Tim Tebow, yeah. Corky Rogers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm looking for in baseball. Is that that hard? It's not, man. I but, mean, come on, hey, Twitter. You mentioned Tim Tebow one time. People start losing their minds, Brent. <laughs> you should have known that by now. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I was like, all right, let me rephrase the damn question. Yeah. Mr. Baseball. Yeah. Uh, and so we have that question out there. Plus, I did who's like the best high school team. Well, mm-hmm. that's about as subjective, objective, subjective as you can get. Yeah. And so there's been some great responses. Though. I mean, we've really had some unbelievable teams and some common ground on, on that one, surprisingly enough. So we'll share all that with you tomorrow. So let's stop lying to ourselves. Let's stop lying to the fans here. So this stems back from last Friday when you were, you know, you're off. Uh, Kaylee had her driver's permit and I put out the bat signal. We get Evan Britton on. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking marijuana. It is what it is, man. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, it's in his wheelhouse. More power to him. Then we got CM Punk on. CM Punk's dropping F-bombs like a True. Toronto style. Who's okay, so, so let's be honest. The, the, the show, it was a little more alternative, let's yeah. just call it. This show tomorrow, because I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be out of town. This show tomorrow, this is you saying, you know what? In your face, Austin Lane. I'm going for the radio Oscar, if you will. And I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna change some people's lives here with some baseball talk. So you pull out the red carpet for 19 baseball players to come on tomorrow. We're going to reel it in a little bit is what I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. reel it back. <laughs> Let's go back this morning. No, actually, I, I did think Americana. about that. I was like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this show next Friday. Ironically, you got CM Punk and Evan Britton. A couple guys we've met. We've, well, we've had CM Punk on. Yeah. And Evan, we've been chasing Evan Britton. Evan Britton. Great white unicorn, man. And, and so I was like, well, i got to have to one-up him. Let's go get yeah, Chipper yeah. Jones and, and some other yeah. guys. All right. Yeah. Uh, so well, anyway. speaking of that, do we have like Wayne Gretzky calling in today out of the blue again, or are we good today? <laughs> no, I think we're Tri- okay. Tripper Jones five minutes before he comes on. Yeah, he's coming on the show today. I Fantastic. Well, yeah, that happened like in the show, so yeah. uh, we weren't going to say no, and yeah. that was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, we we by the way, I did put out a, a little bat signal, if you will, for a Florida State player from 2013. I don't think we're going to get anyone on today, uh, but. I want to revisit that team tomorrow after our baseball show, really, on ESPN 690. At 6 o'clock, we are going to replay the Florida State National Championship game. And so I thought it would be cool to take a look today at that roster and that team because that was one heck of a team. You know, everybody's had these great teams, whether it's Alabama, name your favorite championship team, Florida through the years, right, in 06 and 08, and some of the players that came out of there. Well, Florida State's 2013 team, and I'm talking about recent ones more so than going even back to the 90s. It was a darn good one. It's an interesting one, too, though. So we'll revisit that team and get you set for, um, uh, if you want to take a listen tomorrow, Florida State fans, uh, to that win in the national championship game back in 2013. You have some interesting topics as well you brought up today. Thank you, because I was fishing a little bit. You're welcome. And they're good ones. Thank you. Uh, a Tom Brady documentary on the way already? Yeah. Interesting. Nine, nine parts, by the way. 
Nine hours of Tom Brady. Well, I almost surprised Tom being Tom didn't go for 11. Just a one-up Michael <laughs> Just Jordan. Just a one-up Michael Jordan, show him who the real goat is? Yeah. It's a good point. I mean, am, am I crazy to think? Like, I, I get it. Like Everyone's excited. It's Tom Brady behind the scenes. Cool, cool. Awesome. But do you wait? I mean, like he, he, he's still in his career right now. Like he, he still has another chapter to tell the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We don't know how that's going to go yet. Like, do we wait a couple years down the line and then tell a story of Tom Brady? I have some thoughts on that, really. Mm-hmm. And it's Brady's interesting to me in the last like six months or so. Or probably yeah, about six months. He's really interesting because I had the wrong read on him, and I think I'm starting to figure him out. Okay. And and it's a little different than what I thought it was going to be. But you also bring up a very good point. I mean, are we going to get a Tom Brady that's vulnerable for this documentary? Probably not. But Tom Brady is at the height of his career, really. Well, I don't know about the height. He's not at the peak of his game. Mm -hmm. But he's still playing. He's the greatest of all time. Like, not too many guys that play still, you call them the greatest of all time. So the more we can get on Brady. Like, imagine if the documentary was done on Jordan about the previous years during his, like, last year or his last two years. Oh, that yeah. would have been, like, you, unbelievable. You'd still right? watch it, absolutely. Now, it wouldn't have been as vulnerable, wouldn't mm-hmm. have been as good, it wouldn't have been as behind the scenes, pull the curtain back. I don't expect we'll get that from Brady, but uh, I hope he does another one, like, 20 years from now. <laughs> I mean, he has to. He has to, right? Like, to me, it's just, I think it's a little too soon because, like you said, is he going to you know, show that emotion. Is he going to kind of let everybody in on Tom Brady? Maybe a little bit. Like, he, he's had, a, like, a documentary kind of thing before he, with his family, you know. More and more, but. but, like, to me, if you're still in the league, if you're still playing, if you're still trying to chase those championships, I feel like you can't get the full effect Tom Brady just because you're focused on the task at hand. Like, what made the last dance so great was Michael Jordan had been on the game for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Right, and and he's watched the new school come around and everything, and, and um, you know, so, like, when you go back and he reflects on it, he's had time to sit and ponder it. Has Tom Brady really had time to sit and ponder a career? I don't think so, man, because you know how NFL players are wired. And whenever we have, like, a Ryan Davis on the show or Cecil Shorts, what do they always say? I wish I would have cherished him. I wish I would have reflected on it a little more. Well, Tom Brady's still playing, man. So to shoot this whole documentary here and say, yeah, what was your life like? What was your career like? I just don't think he's ready for it. Yeah, I don't know. Some guys I think could be good. If if we did a documentary right now on Calais Campbell about his playing career, I think he could be pretty uh, reflective. Sure. On it and have great perspective on it. Now, again, will he be as vulnerable on it? Would he tell us what happened with that 17 defense when it flipped That's to 18? That's where the money's at, man. No, he has to be vulnerable. He would maybe in 15 years, and he might never. But yeah. I'm just saying he wouldn't right now. I don't see him doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's um, – I guess some guys can do it, you know, me yeah. and other guys can. But I have a different – forget about the documentary or not. My opinion has really changed on Brady, and it has to do a little bit with that Patriots culture and, and Belichick. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just something that's totally different than I had kind of viewed Brady. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit later yeah. on. Uh, also, Evan Britton, in that interview, I've been wanting to get to this with you, said something that really stuck out to me about football. And football has become so much part of our culture and also the mentality of guys that play it like you. Mm-hmm. i dive a little deeper into that something that he said uh, throughout the show today. NCAA getting back. Uh, it's really about less getting back and more about money. We're going to have a discussion about that in the NCAA. But the money trail is, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's the yellow brick road right now. Uh, and that's everything is leading. It was everything in society right now is saying, hey, okay, we, we can't handle this. I mean, you see, like, the New York papers, and uh, I saw a recent article, I think it was yesterday, came out, it was more an opinion piece, but it's like, we got to get out, we got to start doing something. 
I mean, there's nobody in Times Square. There's no business being done. We're taking a major hit. We're going to recover from it. And right now, I think that's what the NCAA is saying to itself. And I think other sports are, are catastrophically getting canceled because of it. But it all hinges on football and basketball. And so they got to get back to it. They can't lose more dollars. They've got to at least try to get back to it. Is that worth the risk of COVID-19? I think the answer is going to be yes, Mm -hmm. is the point of it. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. When we come back, I think I start every show with Gardner Minshew, don't I? Did you see the video? (laughs) I did. Hey, Hey. we got a little Gardner Gardner Minshew video. What do you think? Put on about 10 pounds, 15 pounds? Yeah, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that's what I want to get to. He definitely looks bigger. Yeah. He's Whoa. been working out in that Brandon, Mississippi beach garage at home. Right, beach season's right around the corner, bro. All right? <laughs> Push your trips in now. Let's go. We're all in. Yeah, interesting. I think a lot of people are taking notice of the figure yeah. of Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Does it help him? Did he need to do it? Could it slow him down? We just talk about his ability to get out of the pocket. Yeah. Does he need to be stronger looking to stay like a, in the pocket? He's looking like a Dante Culpepper out there, Brent, a little bit. Listen, a little short Dante Culpepper. We had some things with Minshew that say, hey, I'd like you to work on this. If I was the – from our outside perspective. Yeah. Two hands still on the ball, by the way. Is one of the things they asked him to do put on some weight. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 on a Thursday. You're always welcome. 904-362-9901 or star star 690. Man, it was difficult, man, because I had been healthy the whole season. And just for that injury to happen on just a fluke step back that I took one million times since I was a kid, um, you know, that, that, that bothered me a little bit. But um, I still had feeling that we would be perfectly fine you know what i mean as long as we handled business and didn't hurt ourselves um obviously i knew um with me not being at 100 percent that that would affect us a little bit but we had um you know we just had great playmakers all over the field so i didn't think that it would you know hinder us and and set us back yeah welcome to the postseason mark ingram and the baltimore ravens they talk about losing uh, to the tennessee titans that's a tough thing to do, man. And when you're you're that good and you have that good of a season, I think they had 14 wins in the regular season, mm-hmm. and then to bow out when they did, not even lose. You know, if they lose to the Kansas City in the title game, I think you're like, okay, that's that's all right. Losing to Tennessee put a little sting and a little stain on that season, as electric as it was, as good as it was, yeah. and and that will linger now. You know, that's how you what Mahomes in Kansas City did and Andy Reid did because he's dealt with this before is. They came out of that thing and said, all right, we'll get there the next year. We did. They did. They won the thing. So anything that that you would say about them and say, okay, but can they win it? Can Andy Reid win it? Well, that's squash now. If Baltimore doesn't come back this year, take another step, and maybe even advance to the game or even win the thing, well, that will start to pile up a little bit on Harbaugh, on this electric offense, even on Lamar Jackson. And and it's unfair a little bit because, come on, the guy's been in the league for two or three years. He's just starting his career. Mm-hmm. But he's almost put his own the own expectation on that. Baltimore's put their own expectation on it as well because of how good they were last year. There's going to be a lot of pressure. You know, either pressure can burst pipes or it can create diamonds. And right now with the Baltimore Ravens, the pressure will be on them. Because if you look at their roster top to bottom, they almost have a better team this year than they did last year. Yeah. Right? They, they've actually added pieces to their defense. Um, you know, as far as losing guys, like obviously Hayden Hurst. But once again, he was like a third string tight end. Yeah. No disrespect to Hayden Hurst, front of the show. But they're really deep in that position, right? So I think right now, assuming health is a major thing, if those guys can stay healthy... I think it would be kind of crazy to bet against them to go to the Super Bowl. You know, obviously Kansas City Chiefs are still there. 
But if that whole roster can stay healthy, they got to be a favorite. But it comes to the question, have teams figured out the Baltimore Ravens offense and Lamar Jackson, or will we see another wrinkle, and have they adapted, have they evolved? Well, it's interesting, right, because you give a lot of credit to uh, the Patriots for kind of figuring out the Rams Correct. you did. Yep. But they didn't figure out Kansas City the year prior. They beat them. They got a possession in overtime that beat them. It's a high scoring they didn't necessarily affair. figure them out. It was yeah. 38-31. Mm-hmm. What Tennessee did was kind of figure out and slow down the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Where was all that electricity? Was it a one-off thing? Was it a little rustiness from the bye? Was it just Tennessee? And how many teams are built like Tennessee? So there's a lot of questions that are unanswered about this year. And I think it will be interesting uh, to see where they go. From a team with that much expectation, Kansas City as well. Mm. Uh, and a real quick question. Who do you think on paper is better? Because Kansas City added two. Yeah. So they get, everybody yeah. loves the uh, LSU running back, Alaire, addition. Uh, d- yeah, yeah. Um are you asking me right now on paper, right? Yeah, on paper, yeah. who, do you, who do you take? I mean, you have to roll with Kansas City, okay? Because I take it all into effect. I take Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson right now. All due respect to Lamar Jackson. I but think everybody. Come on. All right. Um, I think in terms of coaching, like once again, all due respect to Harbaugh, but Andy Reid, man, you give Andy Reid some time, he's going to beat you. So I like Andy Reid better for the coaching philosophy. Um, the tight end position, Mark Andrews. That's a good battle, by the way. Mark Reed Andrews. The yeah, coaching. exactly. I, mean, well, if I, I don't know who gets the edge. Well, and when you think about it, too, you want to talk about the tight ends real quick. I mean, Mark Andrews could have that. I mean, he had a break all year last year. But people are saying he's like the next Travis Kelsey. Well, he might be the next Mark Andrews because the guy is that legit. So I think tight ends receiving, obviously, I think it goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. So overall, on paper, I like the Kansas City Chiefs better. I think obviously the Ravens right now are gonna be a little more hungry. I think they're uh they have a little more of that physical demeanor. You know, so um it depends, man. Like if we get in the playoffs, we're talking about a winter game in Baltimore or something like that, or even Kansas City, and it's so on the ground you can't pass the ball. I like the Ravens' chances then. It's all about style of play when it, it comes to that and what can win and what will win. I think you like the defense of the Ravens because they always have felt like they're more hard-nosed, physical, tough, mm-hmm. and they add guys like Calais you know, in the offseason. Kansas City kind of does enough on defense. They, they have some good players on defense. They really mm-hmm. do. But they, they do enough. Uh, in totality, they're an okay defense. Well, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you can get away with a lot Absolutely. of stuff. Yeah, But yeah. I'm talking if we're going edges, right? And oh, exactly. And positions but but I'm defense. just saying, like, that Kansas City defense, I mean, yeah, I think they're pretty good but guess what when you're when the Kansas City Chiefs are scoring every two minutes and you're yeah. on the field the whole time you're probably gonna surrender some points and that's the thing I mean Kansas City just has to make some plays and they're usually in pretty good shape uh and that's the way they've been all right from a team that does have high expectations those teams do of course mm-hmm. uh and, and I think there'll be a lot of pressure on Baltimore to a team that really has no pressure and no expectations from the outside they, they'll have it on the inside and when I say that listen these guys think they're gonna be good they should they better Gosh, I mean, I think they're going to be better than people think. If they don't, well, then I'm in serious trouble. I've got them <laughs> winning more games than the Patriots. And a lot of that is because I believe more in Gardner Minshew than the outside world does outside sure. of Jacksonville. Again, if you come in the city limits, if you go to Brandon, Mississippi, there are places that believe in Gardner Minshew. I'm not saying the guy doesn't have any believers. I've been a little surprised if you go from last year's Minshew mania to the final stats of 6-6 six and six and what else he did – to now the national perspective of, eh, he's, he's, he's fun, mm-hmm. but he's, he's not going to be good enough to, to really rescue this team, uh, do anything beyond a couple of wins, and, and he's not the franchise guy. So I've been a little surprised at how that's turned even on the national side. But I believe in him. The video came out today of him working 
and uh, doing some work on the football field. And everybody's first observation was, whoa, he looks bigger. Yeah. You know, he's got a muscle shirt on. Yeah. And he's throwing the football around. I've watched the video about 20 times now. I'm still watching it right now I, as we speak. I, yeah, there I you have go. too. Yeah. And I, I will say, like, I, you could tell he, he put on some muscle. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was like it doesn't. He doesn't look that different to me. Like, why did it jump out to you? Did it immediately jump out? Like, man, well, the guy he looks big. Is it just because he's in a muscle shirt? Well, and, not and, a uniform? And, and, and here's the thing, right? When we look at the video here, he's rocking that Washington State Cougar um, locker room issued muscle shirt. Okay, obviously locker tailored, <laughs> obviously tailored to Gardner Minshew's specifications here, with a little more of the cut in the arms to get a little more airflow going on. So yeah, the the shirt does him some favors, man. That's why we're the kind of shirts too. Now. He chops it off with the belly, a little more rare. We're not in the 1980s. Maybe bring the belly shirt back a little bit. It's one thing to wear a belly shirt underneath your pads, but out in public, on the field, with no pads, ballsy. I appreciate it, though. So that does him some favors as well. Now he's rocking those Jaguar-issued sweatpants with those Nike Vapor Spikes. Keep in mind, Brent, Nike Vapor Spikes go out to the speedsters on the team. Making a statement right here, rocking Very those Vapor Spikes. So listen. I would have went for the 86 Converse. <laughs> the Converse weapons. So listen, overall, I mean, does he look bigger? Absolutely. Um, is it going to hamper his play at all? No. I mean, I think if you watch him throw the ball, he's looking fluid. Um, he looks mobile. You know, guys have their hands on their hips in this video. Guess what? Minshew's not even getting tired, not even breathing heavy. So I think it's very telling, man. I- I'd be pretty excited and be intrigued right now if you're a Gardner Minshew fan. Uh, listen, word on the street, he's been working his tail off, and that's not a surprise. I mean, is there this is an opportunity of a lifetime right now for Gardner Minshew? I- the guy's got a ton of confidence, and absolutely does. He's been slighted all his life, so this doesn't do anything to him from the outside. I've been more defensive and whiny about all the, the lack of atten- uh, of love for Minshew than he has, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't think he cares. Now, I probably use that a chip a little bit. I mean, all sure. guys do that. But, all players do that. But you're getting ready to cry about it pretty uh, well, soon. Well, I've been like. whiny at times on the show about <laughs> yeah. it. I really have. So, uh, I, I, there's no surprise been working his tail off. Uh, you can tell he looks good. I mean, and, and I would expect that, you know. I mean, uh, uh, I hear they have pretty good setup in, in Brandon, Mississippi, where he's been for for a good portion of this, and um, no surprise, right? Uh, nobody will be surprised by that. But when I say opportunity of a lifetime, it really does. I mean, it's just his season. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if he stops and thinks about this, but it's fair to stop and think about. And I've said it before, where he was coming into the NFL last year as a sixth round pick as really a clipboard holder for mm-hmm. however long. I mean, guys get drafted in the second round and don't get the opportunity. That Gardner Minshew's getting in his first two years in the NFL. 12 games starting, he earned it. Pushes away Foles, gets traded away. Screw the draft. Don't draft the guy. I got this. Mm-hmm. Jags believe in it. The owner believes in him. The GM believes in him. The coach believes in him. I think a lot of the players do believe in him. They can rally around him. They like him. They see some of that. And and here he is. He's got an unbelievable opportunity to, to prove me right and, and everybody else nationally wrong yeah. and say, hey, I, I got this thing. Yeah. So I'm not surprised at all he's worked his tail off and, and done some things to his body to get a little bit stronger. I guess I would ask you this. We've seen all shapes and sizes at the QB position here in Jacksonville. David Garrard was a big guy. He was. Right? Uh, Bigger but, calves than Tyson Alalu, maybe, man. Yeah. I don't know, Dave, with those calves. Now, insane. if you look at Dave now, like Dave's like a, a bodybuilder now. Yeah. I mean, essentially, he owned yeah. gyms and stuff, and he, and he yeah. really got jacked up. He wasn't that big as a player. But he had pistons for calves, though. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. so... You know, Gabbert was your traditional bigger quarterback. Bortles was a big dude. Ben Roethlisberger-esque in terms of size, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so we've seen a little bit of everything at mm-hmm. the QB position. 
How much is it needed for Gardner Minshew as being a slightly shorter quarterback? How much do you think he had to beef up maybe some strength? And and again, this isn't I'm not saying go add 10, 15 pounds. I'm saying distribute the weight to the right parts of your body. Be able to take a little bit of a beating, a 16 game pounding if, mm-hmm. if needed. Did he need to? Do you think that was advised by the folks inside the building? Say, hey, you might want to do this or that. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was advised. Maybe this is Gardner Minshew just kind of taking it upon himself. But if you're a rookie quarterback and with that style of play, like he likes, I mean, the, the guy can run with the ball. We talked about it yesterday a little bit. He was second last year in scramble yards behind the MVP in Lamar Jackson. So he likes to use his legs to his advantage. And anytime you have a dual threat guy like that, whether you know you use your legs to open the pass or whether you use your legs to get a first down, it's going to come with some hits, okay? And it's not like college where take a couple hits here, or there, or there, maybe you know from some Pac-12 kind of guys. And yeah, they're they're good in their own right, but. You get to the NFL. You, you talk the big boys, right? You talk the outside linebackers coming like a Josh Allen who weighs 280 pounds, looking like Black Panther coming down to you with a four six four five. It's going to do some damage on you, right? So I think Gardner Minshew kind of looked upon himself, maybe got the help of a, of a coach or something like that, but he understood, listen, my style of play dictates that, you know what? I'm going to take some hits. That's just the way the NFL works. If you're a quarterback, you're going to get hit. And especially when you're th- you throw yourself out there a little more because you are kind of that mobile-style guy. You are that kind of guy that likes to be, you know, Brett Favre-esque and play backyard football. Well, that comes with some hits. So I think that's why you maybe see Garner Minshew add a little more weight because he knows who he is, and he understands that coming into this year, guys are gunning for him. I think when people say, hey, the physical nature of the game at the quarterback spot, and they think of Gardner Minshew, yeah, he really took some hits. Well, he really took one big hit. He took the hit in the preseason against Baltimore, right? I mean, the one that everybody, that sticks out to people. Oh, his helmet went 10 yards in the ass. But, you know, and and again, that was the start of Gardner Minshew Mm -hmm. and a little bit of a love affair around here with him. He got right back up, man. He didn't even, like, wince. He got right back up. I would have put my papers in. Uh, I would have said either you replace his offensive line right now or I'm retiring. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, So, listen, the I I think that hit is in people's minds. So it's like, yeah, you know, he got to be careful. He took a beating. I don't necessarily think outside the pocket he did. I thought he was smart. I thought he was elusive, got out of bounds, made the sl- I can envision some of the slides that he had on scrambles. Yeah. I think this is more about taking the pounding inside the pocket. This is more about taking the hits, delivering the throw, and taking a shot. I think it's that, mm-hmm. just as much as it might be taking a hit outside. You know, when you're taking a hit on the outside when you're scrambling and running, a lot of times these guys that are good at it don't take direct hits anyway. Now, he's not Lamar Jackson kind of shifty and quick where it's tough to get a direct hit on him. But I think they're usually pretty wise. You know, even Bortles was pretty good about leaving the pocket, not taking hits. A guy that has not been good, Deshaun Watson. He's taken a bunch of hits sure. outside the pocket. He'll go get those extra couple of yards, meaningless too in most cases, instead of just going out of bounds or sliding. You have to learn to do that. I think Gardner's pretty good at that. I think a lot of this stuff, uh, trying to get, beef up uh, maybe from a muscle standpoint, is is really being able to take a physical 16-game pounding inside the pocket. So I'm reminded of the Broncos game a lot. Number one, because it was Vic Fangio. I know his defense very well. But number two, it was evident what was going on there. When Gardner Minshew played in Denver, the philosophy of the Denver Broncos wasn't to blitz Gardner Minshew and make him feel uncomfortable. The philosophy of the Denver Broncos was just to say, you know what, we're, we're just going to play the receivers, we're going to rush four, rush three, and let's let Gardner Minshew beat us, okay? And I think that was kind of the calling card, that was kind of the MO for a lot of defenses out there when Gardner Minshew's on the field, right? Because 
maybe didn't really take him seriously. You know, six-round pick out of Washington State, you know, undersized. Let's just, let's see if this kid can beat us. And you know what? For six games, Gardner Minshew beat you. So I think now, if you're a defensive coordinator, you understand that, listen, the Jacksonville Jaguars believe in him. We've seen the film. He's got some skill sets that should make us a little nervous. So it makes you wonder, will there be more blitzing? Will, will, will there be more trying to disrupt that rhythm now? Because I think last year, uh, you know, the story for Gardner Minshew was he found those rhythms a little bit. Now, when chaos broke down and everything, that's where he really shined. But as far as, you know, teams trying to blitz him, I think teams are more concerned about saying, we're not going to blitz you. We're, we're going to see if you can come beat us. So with that being said, I wonder if teams switch it up a little bit more because they respect him so much where they throw off his rhythm and send the house at him. You know what's interesting about Minshew as we're talking about him a little bit? Uh, I'm As you're saying that, I'm like, you know what? He can handle that, though, from a smart standpoint. He's a very bright young man, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, you know, if you want to go the wonder, like, fine. But, I mean, he processes stuff very well. That's the book on him. I don't think his character, his sometimes style of play matches up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think of guys being this uh, super – we think of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady staying in the pocket and kind of picking people apart with their mind as much as their arm, right? Correct. We think of guys just using their athleticism like Mahomes. We don't give credit to Mahomes for being a smart kid. Mm-hmm. And being able to decipher defenses and read defenses and pick things up so early in his career. No, we say the guy's ultra gifted and his arm talent's unbelievable. I think you know? Aaron Rodgers sometimes get the same same kind of. I think you're right. Yeah. Now Russell Wilson probably more apt to give him credit for learning, becoming a smarter quarterback, a better quarterback. I bet we give him more of that. Why? Because he's undersized. He's on the run a little bit, and, but he doesn't kind of have. He kind of feels like that player. He's known as that leader, which then equates to smart quarterback, all that stuff. Minshew's kind of created his own little character for himself, which doesn't kind of line up with that hey, smart guy, too. You know, he'll be able to process and read and, and learn Gruden's system and, and be able to know this thing on the back of his hand and, and share it with the young guys. Well, he is that guy. That's mm-hmm. the point. He is. He's both. He's kind of this cavalier guy and fun guy, runs around, backyard footballs it, but yeah. he also... That's a strength of his now. Don't sleep on that. The ability to process. If they throw things at him, if he sees it once, he's probably okay. He's probably not going to make the same mistake again. Mm-hmm. He's a smart guy. So I think you could also – I don't know how many times you've said that about Jacksonville quarterbacks over the years, though. Mm-hmm. You know, Can they handle this? And, again, this isn't to say that we've had dumb quarterbacks in Jacksonville. I think this is a real strength of his, his ability to adapt, his ability to process – that's something that's important at that position, and I think it's a strength of Gardner Minshew's. Well, yeah, when you talk about the smarts of Gardner Minshew, it's obviously there. You know, I mean, the coaches praise it. His former coaches in college praise it. His teammates praise it. Like, yes, the guy has smarts for days, and I get that. I think sometimes that gets lost, though, because when you try to extend the plays like that, you know, then it's like, well, he we should throw the ball away, or he should, he should have thrown to somebody who was wide open. Like, people sometimes want to rag on people for trying to extend plays. Like, Brett Favre was – famous for this where it was like just throw it away far throw it away far I mean, no he, he he wanted to try to make a play for his team you know and like in terms of you know the backyard berserker like Gardner Minshew is that guy I mean he's gonna try to you know extend the drive extend the play and do whatever it takes to get that first down and now that can either be praised or obviously if mistakes come from it then it's gonna be like oh what was he thinking what was he thinking 
But I think there is the fine line between being that backyard guy and also being the guy who says, you know what, it's breaking down, let's throw the ball away, and let's live to fight another day as opposed to making a mistake. Yeah. I think sometimes with Blake Bortles, you saw where yeah. the mistakes came up to you. Exactly. Yeah, and well, listen, uh, we said the other day about Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Kind of does the same thing sometimes, right? Holds on to that ball, tries a little too hard to make a play. you got to have a good balance. Can you manage that? The thing we were talking about, right, the, the one thing in this video, guess what he's doing every time in the video? On the run. Yeah. I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but it comes about a time where in the last week everybody's really been talking about mm-hmm. the mobility. Should he stay in the pocket? I mean, these are all plays on the run basically in this video, mm-hmm. uh, which, again, man, I don't say harness that. I say embrace that. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to play from the pocket, too. But I think it's a great weapon for him to be able to move around. And, and he looked good in that video, obviously, doing it. I don't think they would have put it out there if he didn't. <laughs> big, You know, it's kind of a big dare right now for social media and, and the Jaguars hype train, if you will. Because did you see what Chad Johnson said about C.J. Henderson today? I did. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, talk about that and what that exactly means. Uh, Chad Johnson having a really good week. Yeah. Ocho Cinco. Yeah, Ocho Cinco. Is he still uh, Ocho Cinco, I guess? I think he's back to Johnson, isn't he? I mean, on, so on Twitter, it's Chad Johnson. I yeah, think he's back to Johnson. But then it's Johnson. at Ocho Cinco. Okay. Yeah, I All think right. he's back to that. Okay. I believe. Call him whatever the heck you want. Yeah. I mean, he's earned it. He was a, he was a great player. So We might want to bring him in the show or something. Let's go find him. <sighs> now we're Get talking. Get a connection? Oof. I can see what I can do. All right. Yeah, yeah. See what It'd I can be do. a fun interview. Absolutely, man. Uh, what do you have to say about C.J. Henderson? Let's talk about that when we come back. Good segue uh, from Gardner Minshew to the first-round pick of 2020 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Glowing remarks and a couple of curse words, too, <laughs> from Chad Johnson to C.J. Henderson. It's next on ESPN 690. You know, people, people, you know, with the practices of, of you know, staying, staying safe and and can you get a, a an entire team together, coaches, players, trainers, strength staff, et cetera, that can not have symptoms or not test positive, you know, and then play football? Can you can you have a game where where both sides, both both teams are are tested, coaches, officials, uh, trainers, everybody involved, and uh, you don't test positive and, and you don't have it? Can you can you still play the still play the game? I think that's the uh, the question that's you know on everybody's mind and 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 thinking that uh, thinking that you could do that, you know that you could do that. That is Jim Harbaugh, Michigan Wolverines head coach. It is amazing how powerful college football really is. College football, especially, but college basketball too. I mean, they are going back to campuses. They don't care what presidents have to say. I'm not talking about president of the United States. I'm talking about school presidents. It's basically the ADs that are running this thing. Yeah. And the presidents, of course, will make the call, but uh, it it just feels like it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically like Ohio State AD says, hey, yeah, we can put 20,000 in this 100,000 seat stadium. Essentially, it's like the whole, he's getting the whole state of Ohio back on their feet by saying, hey, we're going to have football. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to make this happen. And, the money trail says you need to make it happen. It's amazing how powerful college football, college basketball has gotten. Uh, that it, and I don't know if that's a bad thing. I feel like it's not a great thing. Like it doesn't seem like it should be that way. It does not seem like every other sport in college athletics should rely on college football and college basketball coming back. It just doesn't. Like when did that go awry? Where was the I knew there would be a tipping point at some time. And here we are in terms of the amount of money that is pumped in because the NCAA doesn't admit that it's big business and not it's nonprofit. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying money for schools is a, is a bad thing. 
you know. I mean, I think you'd say it's a good thing for ten, uh, for money for would. education. Come on. But but is the weight of it all being on football and how reliant everybody else is for football to work a bad system? And right now, isn't it kind of proving out to be it's a bad system? Now, listen, it took a pandemic. It took something that we haven't never really seen mm-hmm. to happen. But it's certainly not a fail safe. And if they don't get back to playing football, you're talking about catastrophic losses for at least other sports and maybe even football and basketball programs down the road. It just seems like a it it seems like, boy, that's a lot to put on football and basketball and college athletics. But here's the thing, though, Brent, you you talk about the flawed system and your disapprovement of it. But let's be honest, though. Look at the landscape of things, all right? People are watching the Big Ten Network, the ACC Network, the SEC Network, because of why? Football. And occasionally a little sprinkle of basketball. Who's coming to these sold-out stadiums, these 100,000, you know, stadiums, 100,000-seat stadiums with Michigan and, and, you know, all the the big stadiums out there? College football fans, okay? So, like, I get what you're trying to say where it's like, well, there shouldn't be that much pressure on football. Okay, but that's the way it is, man, all right? Like, in this country, football is going to be king, and that's just the way it is. Whether it's college football, whether it's the NFL, the numbers show it, the dollars show it. So I agree with you when I say, you know, I mean, it's not set up to be successful, especially when pandemics like this happen. But at the same time, what else do you want? I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. It is the way it is. Uh, I just, if that means if it doesn't happen or if it doesn't happen to an, the tune of enough money, everything else goes away, I think the system's pretty flawed. Now, it might not be flawed for football. It might not be flawed for basketball. It might not be flawed for universities in terms of getting revenue. But it sure as hell is flawed for all the other sports that are trying to happen. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, I think you go back to the roots of it, the NCAA there's a reason why they're a nonprofit because of those non-revenue sports more than likely. <laughs> and has it gotten way out of hand is the question. Uh, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's seeming like the answer to that is yes right now. There's a tipping point, and it's happening uh, in in all of college athletics. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. You brought up Chad Ochocinco, Chad yeah. Johnson. I'm not sure which one he wants us to call him right now. <laughs> but he's having a heck of a week. Did you see the tip that he left in the yeah, restaurant? Yeah. The $1,000 tip? See, I think he's always doing that. That one just got called out. Yeah, but yeah. he's always doing that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Ocho Cinco's a, an interesting cat now, right? Yeah. I mean, his whole Very career uh, to kind of good guy, not so good guy. What is he, right? I yep. mean, is he hero? Is he villain? Yep. And Huge gamer, by the way, too. Is he? Huge gamer, yep. He and, plays a lot of FIFA soccer. And this week, he has the $1,000 tip on a $37 check, I think it was, uh, which is very cool. And then today, tweets out about C.J. Henderson, the Jaguars' first-round pick, ninth overall. And here's what he has to say. Uh, <laughs> worry, I won't read the whole thing verbatim. Brent. Come on. I guess it's not Friday yet. We can't you know, read it out like that. But Where is it? Uh, here it is. May God be with the Jaguar receivers that have to deal with Chris, or it's Chris, CJ Henderson. That mf'er is nice <laughs> and bump and run. Even with the small sample size of work today, I now understand why he was taken at number nine. Yeah. Now listen, what I'd like him to say is, 
Forget about the Jags receivers that have to deal with them. The rest of the AFC South and the rest of the league. But I get nice. his point. Be nice, yeah. That's a very nice compliment to C.J. Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was talk right around draft time. I think he reached out on Twitter as well, and he, he likes Henderson. They were going to work together, and here they are working together. It's also a nice compliment from a guy that played the game and knows what good is. See, I love that from players. Players know what good is. Yeah. That's a nice sign for C.J. Henderson that he got that compliment from Ocho Cinco. So I'm taking a couple things away from this, and they're all great, Brent. Okay, if you go about an hour before that post, you see a picture of uh, Chad Johnson, as he calls himself, Pepe in this picture, so he's got a lot of nicknames, and C.J. Henderson. Okay, and obviously Johnson's lined up, and it looks like they're getting ready to, to run a route. To me, it's ballsy by C.J. Henderson to even go out there and work out with Chad Johnson. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, what are you talking about, Austin? Like, he's a former NFL guy, one of the best receivers, you know, and then the slot. Like, why wouldn't you want to work out with Chad Johnson? I say it like this. Chad Johnson, Brent, we know Chad Johnson. Why? Because he's a very in-your-face, very out-there on social media, shares his life, peels the curtain back, and people love him for it. Okay? And if you're C.J. Henderson, you have to ask yourself, what do you have to gain by going against the guy who's a former NFL player, who's obviously past his prime, where if you get burned one time, you know dang well you're going to hear about it the rest of your life, right? Because Chad Johnson will let everybody know about it. So really, if you're C.J. Henderson, you go out there, you get burned, oof, that's going to be a confidence ruiner. If you go out there and shut him down, well, it's Chad Johnson. Of course, you know, he's he's kind of past his prime, if you will. Now, I'm sure if you heard me say that, he'd be upset. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but you know what I'm saying, though. 9 star star 690. Chad. Yeah, but then if you're C.J. Henderson and, and you school Chad Johnson, well, it's like, well, yeah, that's Chad Johnson. He hasn't been in the league for a while. But... He took the risk, okay? And obviously the risk paid off because Henderson didn't say anything. Chad Johnson did, okay? And Chad Johnson's not a type of guy that just gives you props, okay? I think you have to earn those kind of props. And for what Chad Johnson said about C.J. Henderson, I think it's very telling, man. And, and I think it's a cool thing. I think if you're a Jaguars fan, once again, we talk about oh, all the negativity. They got a tank for Trevor. Well, right here, this is an example of something like one player. And listen, I would rather have... Chad Johnson tell me that he was worth a pick. I'd rather have Chad Johnson tell me that this MFR is nice and bump and run, even with the small sample size. I'd rather have Chad Johnson tell me that than a supposed draft analyst say, ah, you know, they kind of reached up too far. You know, like I, I'm going to take Chad Johnson's word over any NFL expert that sits behind a desk all day. So right now, do I do I think Chad Anderson's going to be the guy going forward? We'll see. But I'll be honest, I'm intrigued because Chad Johnson endorses him. Yeah, listen, again, I, I like when players say that about other players. Now, what does it mean in total? Well, listen, we'll see what happens in the fall. C.J. Henderson, I believe, will have some growing pains. I, I think that's part of it. I mean, he's not going to be perfect out there. I think they're going to ask a lot of him. I really do. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. Uh, and... I honestly don't know how good. I think that's a tricky position sometimes. You know, did we think Jalen Ramsey was going to be a really good player? Yeah, we did. But even he came with some question marks. Remember they questioned his ball skills coming out of Florida State? Because <laughs> he didn't have any interceptions. Because no one was throwing the ball. Yeah. But yeah. Well, on this field, we saw some of the best catches in the last five years from receivers or corners come from Jalen Ramsey. So you got to be careful with some of that scouting stuff. Like you said, that's why this is a nice endorsement uh, from a guy who's done it before and sees what he sees. Uh, I think Henderson's interesting. There has not been a ton of talk about him. Caleb on chase on has gotten a lot more talk than CJ Henderson. Heck, I, and by the way, guilty of it here. LaVisca Chanel, way more attention than, than CJ Henderson in terms of conversation. Uh, I, I think even, I mean, if you go uh, Ben Barsh and, and, <laughs> 
Jake Luton for a little bit. Yeah. Now, we're talking more about that than we were about C.J. Smoothie Henderson. King, man. Smoothie King. Smoothie King. Well, I, you know what else it is? It's offense. And, yeah. uh, you know, not Caleb on chase on. But, but uh, it, it's interesting that he hasn't got a lot of attention. So I thought this was kind of cool to see Chad Johnson say something about him. And uh, look forward to seeing him on the field. Really do. It, you know, the Jags. And their corner position, I think they did a nice job of getting better than they looked going into this offseason without A.J. Boyer, without without Ramsey. I still think it's a major question mark how good they will be. Now, you do have to ask yourself, how much does the AFC South scare you, especially with DeAndre Hopkins out of here? Good receivers, not great receivers. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, does T.Y. Hilton still have it? A.J. Brown showed some promise, but that was just one year. I agree with you. You know, in terms of conferences and how wide, wide receivers get their thing and in the division, yeah, I'm, I'm not. The AFC South does not scare me compared to some other divisions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, when we come back, we do talk more Jags football. Actually, we talk more football. Evan Britton said something last week in an interview with you. Yeah. That got me thinking. About football, about culture, about why people, why kids, why we love the game, why you play the game. <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit about it next on ESPN 690. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.